to makingmedia.com.au. Carlos Alberto Diego. Good afternoon, sir. How are you there, Kev? Oh, it's good. great to be here. We're on the we're on the eve of the eve of New Year's. Yes, we are. It's New Year's Eve Eve. Yes, it is. Is it? Yes, it is. Yes, I think it is. Yes, it is. I've lost my way this week. I must admit, I've I've <laughs> had to sort of remind myself every day when I've sat down here, look at the paper, and go. Wednesday. Yes. You just but you are doing marathon shifts. You are running a marathon every day <laughs> in, in radio uh, speak. I'll tell you, by the time we get to 7 o'clock, I feel 12 like... 12 to 7. 12 to 7, yes. Yeah, we once did uh, five Can't hours on a Saturday me. night, the Diego's, uh, when we were doing Saturday nights. One, you know, we got the call. There was a couple of illnesses before oh, our show, okay. one of those sort of things. Can you do five hours? And we weren't an all-sports show, Kev. We, there's five oh, hours of world no. football <laughs> oh. without any... Uh, and I've got to say... Probably about three and a half uh, hour mark, hit the wall. <laughs> we didn't know what to talk about. There was, you know, we just look at each other. Let's play some music. Let's, uh, you know. It gets a bit like that. I did a 10, I did a ten hour last summer <laughs> yeah, because the races got put back twice. Yeah. yeah. They, the races were due to start, and I, was, I think I was doing 12 to 6, and they moved the races to a four o'clock start because it was a 40 degree day and then it got to the 40 degree and they, and they went no hang on it's too it's way too hot so yeah. they made it a night meeting <laughs> which finished at uh, I think quarter to 10 from yeah. memory so I was on from 12 yeah. to 10 well here's a, here's a challenge for you do a seven hours yeah. on one sport <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, try and get away with that. Sorry, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's not ever going to happen. But we are going to do one yeah. hour on, on one yeah. sport. Now, what did you want to? You wanted to have a look at 2015. Absolutely, I think uh, it's an opportunity. Everyone does it at this time of the year, reflecting back on the year that was 2015 and talk about the highs and lows. I think uh, uh, you know, as much as we've had a not a great time of it in the last couple of months, a lot of great things happened in 2015. Yeah. Of course, it spans over two seasons as far as, uh, you know, uh, A-League football is concerned and Australian football in many, in many respects. But, uh, you know, I just think so much happened, it's good to take a bit of time and, and have a look at it. Um, and we're happy to take your calls, 94291116. Uh, I know it's, you sort of all, everyone's in laid-back mode, but uh, if you've got a highlight of uh, 2015, do you want to share? 94291116 or on the SMS 0433981116. Uh, now, I knew this would come up at, once, at some stage. Yep. We'll get to it later. I just want to tell Gary and Berwick off the SMS, we'll get to it later. It's been talked about a lot on this radio station already, but uh, everyone's in a tiz because the people being uh, ejected from the MCG yep. during the cricket did not get the same level of publicity that yep. happens when people get uh, into trouble. At the and soccer. I'd like to talk, because I've had a lot of uh, people knowing I was coming in today, got a lot we'll of uh, stuff off the Facebook today, uh, questions asking, a lot of stats, and I wanted to just present it out there as anyone would. Yep, alright, we'll get to that. The highs and lows of 2015, 9429116 on the SMS 0433981116. Uh, what's your high, 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 number one high? I think that the number one high, and it's one of those ones that uh, are up to uh, up up with uh, the likes of qualifying for World Cups and doing well at World Cups. I think the Asian Cup win, yeah, for I sure, uh, on home soil. Uh, really, the, the night, the final. You know, firstly, the way the boys made it to the final. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, there was always a little bit of doubt here and there, but the way they came through, the way Ange Postecoglou prepared his team. Uh, the personalities that shone from that tournament, mm. the way they represented the country, and that final, of course, uh, who could ever forget? You know, the, the going into extra time, and uh, and really Australia going that extra gear when we thought there was nothing left. It was just unbelievable, and I think it's one of those great moments. People talk about the great moments in Australian football: 1974, getting to the World Cup. 
2005 qualifying for the first time since 74 and then uh, doing so well, being on the verge of making the knockout stages in that. And then, uh, and then, you know, making world cup since, uh, Timmy Cale's goal, uh, against Holland in uh, in the last World Cup. I mean, there's these moments through World Cups yep. too. Brett Holman's goal against Serbia that nearly got us through in 2010 after having a bit of a poor start and the boys nearly got over the line there. I just think there's been some great moments and I think the Asian Cup win is well and truly uh, on home soil up with that. And I think Mark in Greenvale might agree with you, don't you, Mark? How are you going, guys? Good, Merry thank Christmas. you. Yeah, Andy, you? Yeah, look, I think that Asian Cup win was awesome. I do wonder if a little bit was taken away because of the fact that Australia did not play Japan in that final, that they got beaten in the semi. But oh, Tim Cahill, I mean, his year has just been phenomenal. And I suppose the question I want to ask is, is he Australia's greatest ever soccer player? <laughs> I've got to say, uh, that that's Ooh. such an argument. It's such a debate. Even amongst players who have been great socceroos, I've quietly asked them, and they're really, really reluctant to be able to just, even off the record, just put their hang their hat on one player. Um, they just don't want to do that because there's been so many great players in their eras. Uh, Tim Cale, for sure, as far as scoring important goals for Australia, when it matters to get us over the line uh, in really tough, tough circumstances, I think just for that, I think he's the greatest player we've ever had. Uh, but if you look at from a technical you, point of view... Are you saying the greatest player we've ever had or the greatest player for Australia? The greatest Socceroo. Yeah. Greatest okay. Socceroo yep. we've ever had. Yep. Because in Socceroo games, uh, he scored so many important goals for that, us time that, and time again. That makes sense to it, me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Greatest Australian player? Oh, geez. You know, you get some arguments. Uh, uh, someone like a Paul Ocon, uh, who was, you know... What about a, Viduka? Yeah, Viduka, Kuehl... Uh, you know, and these guys, Craig, um, Craig Johnston. Johnston. I mean, I, I've got to say, I've only recently had a chat with Craig, and um, in my mind, you know, and this is where I get a lot of debate, and I might get a lot of abuse too. But, <laughs> but uh, Craig Johnston <laughs> for me was uh, was was a Australian footballer who achieved most more than any other Australian he footballer. He was a pioneer, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, but also he won things with one of the greatest teams we've ever seen in world football, the Liverpool team of the 80s. Yep. And there's a lot of fans of that team and a lot of people who, who rock up to the MCG to watch Liverpool play, 96,000 of them, would say the same thing. They were inspired by that team of the 80s. Craig made that team regularly. Yeah. He retired from the game at 27. He won something like five uh, championship, premiership titles, uh, European Cup. Um, he was voted uh, in the last couple of years in the top 50 greatest Liverpool players of all time I by heard, the yeah, Liverpool I fans. Yeah. I mean, this is this is not just some media outlet or the the Liverpool fans who have seen generations of players come and go. They've seen he, Kenny Dalglish. Uh, they've seen them all. He's in the top 50 greatest uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool players of all time, according to the fans. So... Uh, it's hard to find that any Australian would, would reach that level of achievement. But then you've got Harry Kuehl, and who could forget Harry Kuehl uh, as a kid uh, at Leeds and, and what he achieved and some of the goals he scored at some of the big stadiums in England, uh, Manchester United, Liverpool. And, you know, there was talk uh, just recently, I heard a story that, that at one stage Real Madrid, Barcelona were after him. I mean, this is what we're oh, talking wow. about with Harry Kuehl. That transfer to one of those clubs could have then... Uh, escalated him to one of the greatest players in the world 
you know, and I think as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, he probably was regarded as one of the best in the world at that stage. Mark Viduka, we we just... Just off the SMS, Viduka is still the most talented Australian ever. Absolutely. And, and, you know, but Ned Zalic, and Ned Zalic went straight from NSL to play for Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga, and that Bundesliga was one of the best leagues in the world. So uh, there, there's so many great, great players. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of people who are reluctant to say who's the best Australian. But for me, the best Socceroo, clearly, because we haven't always had a great side, uh, is, is Timmy Cale because of the important goals he scored for us. Hey, Mark, uh, you got us uh, underway with a beauty there. So uh, going to give you uh, a $50 dining voucher to the Pizza and Grill Company in Campbellfield for uh, getting us underway with a great call. Craig's in Montrose. Hi, Craig. Good afternoon, fellas, and uh, all the best for the uh, new year tomorrow night. And you uh, too, Craig. You. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, look, definite highlight for me this year would have to be the uh, victory treble. I mean, you know, finishing on top the Premier's plate, the uh, the FFA Cup, and then the title. Um, you know, the form of uh, Calfalar, watching Milligan run around and dominate the midfield, and Beresha and. Uh, uh, that was a definite highlight, and I just hope we can uh, reverse it around soon. And what I'd like to see this Saturday night from Muskie is make a statement and start Cal Falar and Barbarousas on the bench and bring in um, Thompson and uh, Connor Payne. You've been listening to uh, Dave Davutovic or reading <laughs> Dave Davutovic and the Herald Sun because that's exactly what he's been saying. Oh, really? Yeah, actually, I didn't, didn't, uh, haven't heard Dave or read Dave, so there you go. Yeah, yeah I think, Craig, uh, yeah, with Muskie... Uh, you know, this is where it, this is where a coach really stands up. I mean, he's done such one such wonderful things with that squad since he took over from Ange Postacoglu. Uh, but now he's at the point where the boys are. The, I think the boys are are working just as hard as they always do. But there's uh, an impotence to them at the moment. There's um, they I, I don't know if it's I don't know if you can use the word complacent. Like, how can you be complacent? I asked that yesterday. Yeah, but how can you be complacent? When you're a, when you're a winning team, a championship team, and you haven't won in five, I don't think he'd be complacent. It's maybe maybe just needs a shake up. I don't know. It's interesting getting you know journos and and fans giving advice to Kevin Musket, right? And so I'm reluctant to give him advice, but it just seems like it probably needs a shake up of some sort. He has very little option though beyond this week because he suddenly loses five of his kiddies yep. to the Ollie Roos. Yep. So you need a squad to be able to shake things up. You don't want to just drop people and bring other people in when they haven't deserved it. So it's a real measure um, and a real challenge for him as a, as a coach right now, uh, especially he starts dropping the likes of Cal Falar and, and Barbaroos. How will they respond? Uh, and, you don't uh, want them cracking the sads. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, you'd think that professional footballers they would re- react in the in, not be happy, but they would react in the right in the right yeah. way. And it just seems right now he needs to shake things up. Up, but Kevin Musket knows what he's doing. I don't want to be giving him advice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good on you, Craig. Uh, got an Elmore oil pack for you for your contribution. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen is the number. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Um, he he has got. To, we'll talk about victory yeah. a little later on in the uh, in the hour. But he has got some decisions to make uh, based on the fact that he's got to uh, trim down his uh, overseas players yeah. to three for the Asian. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of talk uh, also, and again, we'll chat more about this. That that he, you know, I know Dave Davudovic in the Herald Sun talked about maybe getting into the transfer market, bringing a couple of high you know high quality James recruits. Truiz. Yeah, James Trusey being one. Uh, if he throws that in the mix, there will be some unhappy people because it's a front third. 
uh, of the team that that really are, are the the thing that scares the living daylights out of people in our league. That that the quality of the, those those players, Kalfala, Barisha, Barbarusis, Finkler, uh, those sort of players. You start Savage. dropping one or two of those players there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how you manage that. Yep. Yeah. Because you've got to play. If you're going to get Troisi, you've got to have to play him. Oh, so yeah. someone's going to be missing out. Archie Thompson's another one, by the way. Yes. Archie's not going to be happy sitting on the bench in the last stint of his career. No, you saw the, the joy, the absolute yeah. joy in his face when he came on for the first mm. time the other week. Yeah. Uh, 21 past one. We'll take a break. Come back uh, more with Carlos. It's the highs and lows of uh, 2015. 9429 or off the SMS 0433 98 1116. Rock and roll. 26 past one uh, here at uh, 1116 SEN. Uh, Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio. Uh, Kuehl's critics, uh, this is off the SMS from Daniel and Balakava. Kuehl's critics forget just how good he was prior to injury. He's the only non European to win Premier League's Young Player of the Year award. Absolutely, and uh, people I think at his height of, of his abilities, where he led Australia to a win over England, in England, in a friendly it was, and that England team had Beckham playing for him, Rooney playing for him, all the great players, Frank wow. Lampard and Harry Kuehl almost just lapped up the fact he could ply his wares against the quality of those guys. He led us to a victory last that night, and it was actually quite a simple victory. Okay, people will talk about the fact Sven Goran Eriksson changed, you know, up to ten players at half time for England, all this sort of stuff. It was the first half I'm talking about of that game, where where the game was on the line, it was red hot and uh and people were having a crack at each other and, and Harry was clearly the best player on the ground on that night. Okay. Uh Bill's in Carnegie, we're talking about the highs and lows of uh, twenty fifteen, nine four two nine, eleven sixteen. Hi Bill. G'day guys. Um my highlight, besides the Asian Cup, um, I've been just amazed at watching Aaron Moy during this year, just how he's grown as a player, and he just dominates games in the in the in the A League, like I've never seen any other player do. What do you think? Oh, Bill, that's on my list of highs, actually. Uh, you know, not only what some of our younger players are doing overseas right now, but Aaron Moy, the way he's just got better and better and better, even. When people are talking about him and teams are planning to try and blunt him in games, he's still uh, controlling most games. I know he's been a bit down the last couple of weeks, uh, but really, as a bloke who's probably still trying to see how far, how good he can get, he's going to have those moments. But I, I agree, that's a high, it's been a high in the in the A League this season, given the fact that you know we don't have the the big name marquee players or the or the star factor that uh, people. Have, probably been used to in the past. He's certainly emerging as one. There's no doubt. Oh about yeah, that. absolutely. I, I I cannot wait. I know, you know, Melbourne City fans will have a crack at me about this, but I can't wait for Australia's sake for Aaron Moy to go and be and plant himself in a decent team in Europe and see how he goes there. Because he's been able to, you know, go from being a, a, a you know, it's a harsh word, but a guy who was rejected overseas yep. as a young guy, came back, West Sydney Wanderers, had his ups and downs there, joined Melbourne City and just progressively got better and better and better. Well, a player like that, he gets better and better and better. Throw him in, you've got to keep on challenging him. Yep. So put him in a team that plays sophisticated, cultured football in Europe in a decent league and then let's see how he explodes from there. Is, is there certain players, this is me being, you know, not, not global, Kev, knowing about yeah. stuff. It, 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 why wouldn't he go to the EPL? Uh, is Europe better for him? Or? Uh, look, it's interesting. You know, people talk about what league is best for his development. He's the sort of player who I believe could, uh, could play in, in Spain. 
He could. I'm not saying he could play for Barcelona, Real Madrid, but I say he's a sort of player who could play in Spain. He could play in Germany, I believe. He certainly could play in Holland. But some of our lesser players are playing in Holland right now. Right. Um, EPL. I don't know. I mean, he's got such speed of thought, but people talk about his leg speed at some time, at, at some stage. But then again, there's some really good players in the EPL who don't have, you know, ex, you know, ex, the acceleration that the, the the top top people with leg speed have. You know, so uh, interesting. But you know, why rule anything out with him? You know, I just think his his passing range, his his speed of thought, his creativity. He's tough too. He's a guy that just doesn't—he doesn't get bullied or anything like yeah. that. So he's got all that, and he also—he'd have the hunger because he's already had to come back once before from over there. Yeah. So I think the ingredients are there, and I know City want to keep him, but I think for the development of Australian football, it'd be great to see him in a in a great league that really where he gets a chance to evolve into the in the the potential we think he has. So as much as. Uh, we love the A-League, and the A-League has improved yeah. enormously. It's a stepping stone to it. For it, it hurts me saying it. <laughs> I've got to say, it hurts me saying it. But if you want to see the best of, of a special talent like him, unfortunately, he's not going to develop it here. And, you know, again, you know, you get some people in Melbourne City probably throwing stuff at the radio right now. <laughs> but and they, they have to admit that the best, best young players still have to go over to become what we think that they can become. The uh, the shining light of our Asian Cup, uh, uh, Mossimo. Uh, Longo, yeah. yeah Longo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where's he at at the moment? Because he seemingly has disappeared off the planet. Well, he's he was on my. Unfortunately, even though he was a high at the time, he's been it, his year has been a low for me. Uh, in that uh, he joined from Swindon Town, he joined QPR. It, it seemed like a decent sort of a, a move at the time because it was a stepping stone into into the championship, yep. which is a, a league above where he was playing last year. There was talk about him maybe going to Aston Villa under Tim Sherwood, who coached him at Tottenham Hotspur, um, and that's an Aston Villa team in the EPL. They're on the bottom of the ladder of the EPL, can't win anything at the moment. They're probably going to get relegated. Yep. Uh, but he decided to go to QPR. So we thought there was some, some actually some thought about a team that had been relegated, but they could get up pretty quickly. Might be a good move for him. But it's just backfired on him completely. Uh, change of coach there already. I think uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's there at the moment. Uh, uh, and so there's been upheaval. The previous coach brought him in, or manager brought him in, and suddenly uh, wasn't getting a game. Uh, his, his career is stalled, but this is what all young players have to experience. The, you know, what do they do? I mean, it's hap- happened to Jason Davidson at Huddersfield Town, by the way. It's yeah. happened to Tommy Orr at Ipswich. These guys have joined these clubs with high hopes and suddenly not playing. You know, do you give up? Do you start crying? Do you whinge? Or do you fight back and, you know, prove your worth, you know, in that, in that environment? I think for the benefit of your career, you've got to prove your worth. You've got to stand up and be resilient. And only the best players who have made it, those sort of players we were talking about, Timmy Cale, Harry Kuehl, yeah. they went through all this. And so our younger players have to go through all that to become professional footballers of the highest calibre. Um, uh, another high for, for you? Nine four two nine eleven sixteen is the number. Yeah, the, the, this is an interesting one. I just thought this year, 2015, for women's football in this country has been fantastic. For me, it all sort of started off, and I know there's been a lot of stuff 
behind the scenes. But it all started off with the Matildas' performance in Canada in the Women's World Cup, making the knockout stages. Okay, losing to the US, but they ended up going on and win the whole thing. Yep. And we troubled the US in that game. But the way they played football, it wasn't just you know a battle. They actually played really sophisticated football and beat some highly rated teams over there. Uh, the fact that they've got a pay deal now. <laughs> That they yep. can actually start thinking, okay, uh, I can start looking at maybe playing and training full-time as a, as a woman's footballer. Um, you know, Melbourne City. I know you had Laura Alloway on last night. That's uh, a Kev. remarkable record. Yeah, I mean, they've won 10 in a row and won the league, you know, quite easily in the W League. When they first... When the Melbourne City first came in and started getting all the players from all the different clubs because they had you know some resources and money to do so, uh, a lot of people complaining about the fact that you know, they're buying the competition, they're poaching players. It's all you know, it, you know, uh, they're just uh, going to completely dominate the competition. It's not unfair for everyone else. Well, I say to people out there, you know, when you've got a league at a certain level and a team comes in and starts testing you. Um, rise to that occasion. Yeah, up the ante. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the talk was that apparently the salary cap for women is 150000 Melbourne City's probably spending that. All the other clubs are spending no more than sixty and 70000 well, So, I mean... That's not Melbourne City's fault. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, I mean, we're not talking about a million dollars difference here. We're talking about sixty or 70000 Become more professional off the field. And I know, again, we're probably going to have people throwing stuff at the radio here because it's tough for women's sport. It's really tough. But you have to be innovative. You have to be able to uh, not find excuses. You want to be paid as a professional. You want to play professional competition. You're going to have to act like that. Act mm-hmm. that way. Men have to. So if you want to have the same uh, the same accolades and the same achievements and the same opportunities, you're going to have to do that in women's sport too. And I'm not talking about the players anymore here. I'm talking about the people who run the game, the admin, yeah. the admin, the marketing, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Michael and Ivanhoe, I think, agrees with you, uh, Carlos. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you going? Good. Yeah, no, I was just used to stop my thunder a bit, but yeah, I think they're sensational. I think they're ranked inside the top ten now, which is fantastic. It's you know amazing. Also, one of my highlights is just the A League. It's just you know going on and on from onward and upwards. So yeah, that's you know great to hear. Hey, Michael, do you watch the W League when it precedes the A League games on Fox? Oh, a little. Yeah, I try and you know if I've got time. But yeah, I you know I I, I do watch a bit of it. But yeah, it was obviously the World Cup was I was fully into that, and that was fantastic. Yeah, and I'm enjoying the... the, the thanks uh, there, Michael. Uh, are you really enjoying the, the games that are scheduled before the A-League games yep. uh, on the weekends? Uh, it gives us a chance. I mean, there's not many people in the stadium at that time of the, of the day, but, uh, but you can actually see the players and, and, the, and the way they're developing. Some of the goals, I mean, Bar- young Barbieri's goal on the weekend for Melbourne victory was a great goal, even though they got beaten against Sydney. I mean, the other thing that we forget about women's football, that this year... The participation rates, I think it's ABS figures. So these are official figures out there. Okay. There's more girls playing uh, football soccer in Australia than netball at the moment. I mean, that's incredible. Really? That there's more. Uh, now, again, we've probably hit these netball people who get really upset, but they're, they're official figures. Um, now, wow. if there's anyone out there who has figures that contradict that, I'd love to hear it. But uh, some official figures that have come through, you know, proper surveys and statistics, uh, Australian Bureau of Statistics or Morgan surveys or so, uh, you know, only in the last couple of months, um, came out with those figures that, that, that there's more girls playing soccer in Australia than netball. 
Um, that's incredible. And we still haven't got the women ga- women's game right. We're not even marketing it yeah. properly yet. And yep. that's happening. So for me, it's been but a I, big, big year for women's football. I think in a way, the, the, the formation of the W League and the fact that they're not marketing it strongly yet is probably not a bad thing because I reckon they've got to get the product right. Yep. I've seen some pretty... I've only seen bits and pieces, yep. but some of it's been pretty ordinary. Oh, but Cal, let, me, let me just say, uh, what we're seeing right now is a lot better than what's been there in the past. Oh, no. And, no. Uh, and I just think there's... It's just it is a game that's perfectly you know suited to young girls in schools oh, and absolutely. who want to who just want to change from you know the 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 rugby sorry not the rugby the the netballs and the, and the other different type of sports that are really non contact mm. uh, but not so contact as say play Aussie rules or rugby uh, football's that sort of happy medium and it's a sort of game if you're especially playing small sided games you get touches. Doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to get a touch. You get a kick. Yes. You're going to get a kick, and you, you know, there's an opportunity to score a goal. And of course, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of females out there who love watching the men play too. Yep. So they they do follow a lot of these uh, supporters for Melbourne Victory, for example, uh, are young women who love to stand in the active support areas and support with the rest of the guys. Now, have you got any uh, EPL highs? Or lows? Only the one. I mean, Leicester City. What would that be? (laughs) Leicester City, unbelievable. Uh, Under Claudio Ranieri, he's been the the team's just been so fantastic. Um, You know, it's a bit of a dream for us because, for me, I think what the EPL needs right now is for Leicester to win it. Uh, after since I think it's been going since 1991, and it's always been you know the, those the teams, four. yeah, the, those teams you always expect the Manchester Uniteds, the Arsenal's, um, the Chelsea's, uh, you know, Man City's, and really they've just dominated um, the league without without salary cap, without sort of any sort of drafting process. It's just a free for all for everyone. Yep. You got the most money, you end up winning it. Leicester uh, under Ranieri, such a humble, humble man. The Original dead man walking. He actually sell, He actually gave him that title. Gave himself that title oh, when uh, Jose Mourinho was, uh, you know, hovering around Chelsea in his first stint when he was coming from Porto. Uh, Claudio Ranieri was basically the bloke who was going to be, you know, sacrificed for him, and he knew, and he was calling himself dead man walking then. Oh, so, but he's come back after all these years. He's just such a. He's almost like a little grandfather running the club, and the, you know, the story of James Vardy, their, their striker, who scored 14 goals already this season. He was recruited from Fleetwood Town, a Where's team, that? a team uh, like a band. in the English second <laughs> division, and uh, and he's been with. You know, people talk about him being a bit of a sensation, but he's actually been playing for Leicester. I think he's played 113 times for them you know, since 2012. So he's been at that club for a while. Yep. He's just shone in the English Premier League. Uh, Mares, another guy, incredible Algerian international who uh, has also been with the club. People forget this guy's scored a lot of goals this year too and he's just a sensation in the EPL. He's been at the club, played over 60 games for the club since 2014. So these guys came through the championship with Leicester. Yep. So um, it's just been great watching them. And, uh, and I've I got to say... Uh, they make me want to stay up and watch them. That's how good they are at the moment. And uh, nil all draw yeah. overnight. Yeah, and they lost against Liverpool on the weekend. So yeah. everyone's waiting for them to fall over during this really cluttered period. But it'll be interesting to see how they uh, negotiate it. Because a couple of draws, the odd win, all they need to get through Christmas uh, with you know not too many losses uh, and just pick up the points. It's just staying in amongst the you know first three spots. And who knows what can happen in the run home? Yeah, everyone's waiting mm. for the bubble to burst, but it's not bursting just yet. Yeah. Uh, 20 to 2. Uh, more of your calls, 94291116. The highs and lows of 2015. We've got some SMSs to go through too. 0433 98111116. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll address a couple of those SMSs next. 
foot to two here at 1116 SEN. Okay, Carlos, we've got a couple of SMSs. We're happy to take calls to 9429 your highs and lows of 2015. Carlos from Andrew in Tullamarine. Two weeks ago, you were spruiking <laughs> Kevin Musket and Melbourne Victory. I sent a yep. text to you guys saying you were delusional and you kind of laughed. Am I justified now? Respectfully, Andy, no. You're not justified <laughs> at all. If they don't go on and win something this year or give it a really good shake, I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, but for me, you know, it's not like it's not like Melbourne Victory has suddenly lost their ability or their or their dominance in games. Um, among these losses have been two of the better games of the year. Yeah, the, the yeah. City game and the, and of the course. Wanderers game. So, they, of course, they don't want to keep on not winning. Right, Correct. and there's got to be more scrutiny on the fact that they're not winning, and I'm sure that they're doing that internally. But to say that Melbourne victory, even in in losing games and drawing games, aren't up there and should have maybe won or got something out of the game, I mean, you've got to look at that too. So their poor games um, aren't so bad that you think suddenly they're they've, they've become a rabble of a team that they're not going to win something. So. Uh, Happy to field your text message or a call at the end of the season, Andrew, and see how they go there. But for me, this is a club that still will win something this year. Um, are they in a funk like Chelsea? No, no, no. Chelsea are a very different, uh, I believe, because obviously the players, for me, the players were burnt out. The message from Jose Mourinho just wasn't getting through. Okay. Probably their squad is a bit old. Chelsea, and you can see now with Gus Hitting taking over, they've had a win and a draw, but you can still see they can't go that next gear. They were outplayed, I thought, against Manchester United on the weekend. So Melbourne victory, very totally different okay. kettle of fish. I just think there's something that needs to shake up there right now just to, to get a new you know, thought press process going in people's minds, yep. get the electricity back in the team. Uh, something It may be a Carl Valeri coming back into the team. I'm not sure. That's up to Kevin Musket to work out. All right, and uh, Gary from Brunswick off the SMS. I told you we'd get to this, Gary, and we will. Carlos, 177 people ejected from the MCG in the first two days of the test, just saying. So what Gary basically yep. is alluding to is that that made page three of the Herald Sun yesterday. Yep. Uh, it was the bottom part. There was uh, there was a, a, no, no picture because... You, there was no flares go off, which yep. is what gets them on the front page of the paper. Uh, so I guess Gary wants to know, why isn't that on the front page of the paper? Yeah, uh, look, I, I don't care if it's on the front page or the third page or the back page. Or I don't care where it is. All I want, and I think all football lovers, all they want is for the media to report in a balanced fashion about what happens at sport. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're going to go down the track and put uh, football followers on the front page of the Daily Telegraph with names and all sorts of things and accusations because it'd be banned over 10, you know, 198 or whatever, over 10. You've got to do the same with cricket because, I mean, this is, uh, this is a message I got from a police officer today, by the way. Right. Um, day two at the cricket, 87 evicted, 24 charged with bringing uh, in alcohol, yep. six, be, six for being drunk, 42 for misbehaviour, whatever that means, 16 for discharging missiles, two for drugs, one for willful damage, one for resisting arrest, one for possession of banned item, which was a knife, and 31 penalty notices. The police, in their media statement, um, suggested that they were yahoos, whereas the description of football followers was that they were terrorists. So, yeah, no, that's fair. So, that's so a all, fair point. I don't, uh, to tell you the truth, if they come down on these louts from all sports in the same way and they're reported the same way, I have no problem. Yep. I have no problem, whether yep. it's tennis, cricket, AFL football, soccer. 
Uh, but it's the imbalance in reporting that gets people fired up. And even Tony Jones from Channel 9 made a comment on another radio station after the second day and talked about that if that had happened in football, in in a soccer game, that they'd be on the front page of a paper or they'd be described very, very differently. And the inference is always of an ethnic nature too when it's reported, whereas... You don't get. There was no ethnicity, yep. whatever that word is, yep. um, in the reporting of uh, yep. the, the cricket uh, hooligans. So this is not having a crack at the sports. It's just the way media, either deliberately or involuntarily, report on these things, and that's what frustrates people. Uh, yeah, if ever, if you're gonna, for me, if you're allowed at the football or any sport, if you're allowed, and you and the police deem that you should be kicked out. Yeah, mate, uh, as long as there's a, uh, an appeals process justified, all that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. need to be singled out and you need to be not allowed to go back to that game because it's unsafe for anyone who goes. It doesn't matter what sport. Had to have close to 90 people or in, in, uh, in that text message, 177 people um, in two days, in two days yeah. um, you know, taken out of the stadium because of their behaviour. What I mean, that's serious. For me, that's serious stuff. To be For a police officer to come or security to come and take you out of the ground and not allow you back in because of what you've done, for me, that's serious stuff. Interesting point that Mark from Aspendale makes off the, uh, off the SMS. Were the 177 banned for life? No, they weren't. Yeah, but, uh, but we're talking about 198 football followers, football fans who were banned by the FFA um, over 10 years. Hmm. Okay, and from what we've heard since... Uh, because there's a lack of an appeals process, a lot of that, not a lot, but there's a percentage of that, I don't know what percentage, whether it was small or large, that was unjustified too. So, um, I don't know, I, I, look, I, I've read, we, we know how important, um, it seems like it's alcohol related to the cricket. Mostly. Okay. If it's alcohol related, we know from all the domestic violence issues that are in our society right now, all the, uh, you know, Saturday night, one punch, one punch issues. Yep. Uh, you know all the violence that are in that's uh, in the community right now. A lot of it's alcohol related. How can we, as a community now, talk about alcohol being different than you know, and, and not as serious because they're just larrikins, la- yahoos, just one of the boys, compared to? Uh, and I received a message today on one of my social media you know, platforms uh, where someone's saying, "Well, you know, the cricketers didn't, you know, cricket fans didn't light a flare, and they didn't." Uh, wrecked property. Bad behaviour is bad behaviour, whichever form it takes. Absolutely. And flair's very dangerous too, by the way. For me, that's just oh, that's that's unacceptable. Yeah. So, but how, how in this day and age can we look at alcohol and just say, oh, look, you know, it's a Gallipoli spirit. They're the diggers of the old. You know, it's just the Australian way to get drunk at a public event and you get cheered when you're being marched off by the police. For me, that, that's very different these days. And we should be more educated as far as the damage alcohol can do. Most of it leads to violence. Well, you know what I don't understand? I'm, I'm, yeah. Why go to the cricket and get uh, uh, <laughs> as drunk as a skunk? Yeah. Um, you, you won't remember what you've mm. seen. You've paid good money to go into a sporting event and you turn it into a drinking but game. But to be fair to cricket too, Kev, why go to the soccer and light a flare oh, no, and, and, and rip, rip a chair off its hinges? You know, so it's what we're talking about is social, antisocial behaviour. Yes, correct. And it should be reported equally. 
Yes, I agree. And in well, a balanced fashion. If, if it happens yeah. in a cinema, yeah. they report it exactly the same absolutely. way. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, I don't have any, any argument so with you whatsoever. It, it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare what happened at different sports. Just report on it in a fair and just way so people get the real story. Professional journos would do that, by the way. Yes. And most people are. Yes, yeah. Um, but uh, the, the standard of journalism is another topic. We oh, jeez, don't get me started on that. Oh, yeah. gee yeah. Whiz. Yeah. is that a can of fish we don't want to open? Let's, let's, let's pick another bright, uh, uh, positive yes, one. Yes, if I could, um, the Aussies abroad. Then people say, oh, what are you talking about, Carlos? No one's playing in the EPL. But Tommy Rogic is back playing, and it's been pretty quiet. He's playing for Celtic, scored six goals already this season. Just every game he plays, he tends to get, great accolades in the Scottish press, which is not easy to do. And this is a guy who's just resurrected his career. And I'm really excited because I think Tommy Rogic could be our best player up there with, you know, the Tim Kales, Harry Kules of this world. By the end of his career, I think if, you know, albeit that he's not injured and he picks the right clubs to go to. So he could be up there with some of our greats. Uh, Matthew Leckie, another one who, uh, again, a star for the Socceroos, getting yep. better and better all the time. He's playing great football in the Bundesliga for Ingolstadt, a uh, team that got foot promoted this season. It's great to see him doing well. Uh, we don't hear a lot about it because it's a Bundesliga, but yep. he's doing very well in a really big and tough competition. Uh, Chris Economides, a young boy who's just been selected for the Oli Roo, is going to be playing in the AFC under-23 um, Cup that's coming up in uh, in the Middle East very soon. Uh, he's doing very well for Lazio, just starting to break into their first team. This is a S- Italian city A that we're talking about. Tommy Juric, another one who, you know, people talk in mixed fashion about Tommy, but he's in Holland at the moment scoring most weeks uh, as, as as a striker there and yep. doing really well. And, of course, uh, young Daniel De Silva is playing for uh, Roda um, uh, FC also in Holland. He's coming off the bench, but this kid's only like 19 years old. I mean, he's just a great little player, and we're seeing something there. And, of course, Matty Ryan, who transferred from uh, Bruges in uh, Belgium to Valencia in Spain. And Achille, his injury uh, with his knee uh, was number one keeper there. And he was one week away from playing Barcelona, but he, he, he didn't uh, get a chance to do that. So we suddenly got some players who are now at a position. They're not world beaters yet, but yep. they're playing in clubs at the right age to do really well for us. And that's, you know, I've, I've named, and then throw in Trent Sainsbury. I mean, there's six or seven of them there that's that could good. become really, really good players. All right, we're going to take a break, come back and wrap it up with Carlos Alberto Diego.